0: by
1: Millie Package. If they head...
0: Joining me today is Super Bowl champion quarterback from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, two-time pro bowler and NFL legend Brad Johnson. Brad, welcome on to Division II Sports Radio, my friend.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you calling me out, Blake. I appreciate being on your show. Look forward to it. Thank
0: you. So Brad, you played at Florida State for Coach Bobby Bowden. What did Coach Bowden do for you in your early playing days?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I grew up in North Carolina and I, he, he actually came to my high school, spoke at my high school uh, banquet and, um, you know, told me how great the program was and it was on the rise when I, when I got there. Uh, it was the beginning of 1987 of a 14-year run, finishing in the top four, and it was just an awesome, awesome place. And, you know, you didn't have coaches that were coming and going and firing, and <laughs> it was it was a place where he promoted... Um, work, he promoted um, consistency, and a chance to win on the highest level. And, you know, it's, it's just, I, you know, in my QB room we had Danny McManus who threw 52,000 yards in Canadian League and Peter Tom Willis who played four years in the NFL for Chicago Bears and Casey Weldon was running for to the Heisman, had an eight-year career. And Casey, I mean, and Charlie Ward had an 11-year career in the NBA and won a Heisman National Championship, and Chris Winkie won a National Championship at Heisman and Heisman, <laughs> and I mean it, it was just competitive. You know what I mean? So I just have all the respect in the world for Coach Bobby Bowden and Florida State, and just my time
0: there. You mentioned consistency, and you talked about winning with Coach Bowden. And one guy who has never been shy of winning is Tom Brady, who became the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this past off season. Uh, but you actually have a little bragging rights over Tom. He was the second quarterback to win a Super Bowl as the Tampa Bay starting quarterback. But in all seriousness, uh, out of those, uh, out of those, like you know, players that you see in the league at this point in time, what makes Brady as special as he is, and why was he able to go to Tampa and, and immediately, you know, generate success?
1: His career has been well documented. Obviously, uh, it's phenomenal. The consistency and High level of play he's had throughout his, I guess he's 20 years now, maybe. I don't even know. But, I mean, he's won seven Super Bowls. He lost three. He went to four other AFC championship games and lost in that game. You know what I mean? And he does not miss tie. I think he missed one year because of injury. And um, he's just there. Every year he gives us every game, every year he gives his team a chance just to be in the game, a chance to win. He comes through in the clutch and brings out the greatness of others. Uh, obviously, it was a you know a weird year. You know him dressing in the pewter in red, and instead of being up there in New England and the cold and those kind of things, but it was awesome to see the accountability he brought to Tampa, and obviously winning you know Super Bowl there is pretty. It's just fun to watch. You marvel at you know he's a game manager. He's a guy that takes calculated risk. He's a guy that comes through in the clutch and just leads his team. It's it's pretty. It's it's fun to watch.
0: Couldn't agree more with you there. And, you know, the way that he's generated, you know, his his level of work ethic to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this past season was commendable to say the least. You may not have as many rings as Brady, but you have done something that he has not. You took three different teams to the playoffs during your NFL career. So out of those teams, which was the most meaningful playoff appearance for you?
1: I mean, all of them, you know. <laughs> I mean, each place was each, – each year – has its own grind, has its own storyline. You know, it's not just like here's a good team, let's just go win. You know, so to, to you know, it's 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 hard to go. I learned six different systems in my in my time of playing, and it's not like it's like that's like learning six different four languages. You know? Yeah. And it's it's tough. And you ask Brett Favre when he went from Green Bay to New York to the Jets, he had a hard time called a play in the huddle. But then he went to Minnesota, went back to the system he was used to, and Yes, Tom Brady how long it took him to learn the system this year. So, you know, my time in, in Minnesota, Washington, and Tampa, and then finished my career in Dallas is pretty awesome. And each one of them, I, you know, I look back with fond memories, you know.
0: Following your early days in the league, playing in Minnesota and Washington, you were pursued by your former offensive coach, Brian Billick, to come play in Baltimore. But ultimately, you ended up with the Bucks. What led you to Tampa Bay?
1: Yeah, I, I've been with, Brian for seven years in Minnesota had a great, great relationship with him. He actually tried to trade for me. Washington gave up more picks in, in the trade, but I became a free agent. I was you know probably headed to Baltimore, but then when the contract came up, it, it was just a more secure contract that I got in Tampa. And um, and those are out of Brian's, you know, the, I guess the general manager and other people's you know things and stuff like that. But the contract was a better situation for me. Um and then the other one was really to go to a place where in Tampa, where they had never won a Super Bowl before. You know, to you know, to be honest with you, I want to be the first one to win it for the franchise. I was, it did, and uh, it was an accomplishment. I knew I had Tony Dungy. I was with him for three years, also in Minnesota, as he was the head coach in Tampa. I knew a lot of the players on the team at that time, like Derrick Brooks and um, uh, Dexter Jackson and War Dunn. and had good relationships with John Lynch and Warren Sapp. And so it, just, it was a good fit, you know. And um, I'm grateful I, I chose there. I, lo- I would have loved to play played for, you know, Baltimore at that time. But for all those reasons i talked about, it, was, it, was, it probably made most sense to go to Tampa.
0: Well, you definitely made the right choice, that's for sure. You ended up becoming a Super Bowl champion, as you mentioned, shortly after joining the Buccaneers. What are some of your fondest memories from that Super Bowl season?
1: You know what? It, it was Gruden came in, and he really just he said, "Listen, we're going to win a Super Bowl this year." And I remember he just said, "We're going to declare war on our defense of so Derrick Brooks and John Lynch and Sapp and Simeon Rice and Rondé Barber. The list goes on." But we made it competitive every day in practice and just learning, John, learning good system. And you know, it, it took time, but we were three and one every four games, and so we end up the season twelve and four. October twentieth, we went up to uh, to. Philadelphia and I cracked my ribs and you know and we got our butts kicked and at the end of the season I got messed up my transverse process couldn't even walk to the game I mean so I was just beat up as the season went on but I came back and healthy and we were able to go back and you know avenge the you know our game and beat our nemesis and Philadelphia and shut down the vet I thought that was an awesome awesome moment obviously for the team but but there were just so many great wins that year just I think us coming together is you know a bunch of older guys but full of energy and we wanted to accomplish something that hadn't been done in Tampa before and we all knew that we needed for our, own, you know, for our own legacies and obviously we've had three guys making the Hall of Fame and Lynch and, and Sapp and, and Derek Brooks and hopefully get a couple more here with uh, Ronnie Barber and Simeon Rice as it goes on. But it was just a great group of guys and just the work ethic it took to do it was pretty awesome.
0: You mentioned Tony Dungy who is a Super Bowl champion coach himself with the Indianapolis Colts. So I want to ask you, was it a bit of surprise when Dungy was let go?
1: Yeah, it was. It really was. Uh, Tony, you know, he, you know it, there's always a time that takes place and sometimes changes need to be made, but but that wasn't one I didn't – none of us really saw that one coming. And he'd been there for a while. He changed the, uh, the organization around from the Ux to the Bucks, and a very well-respected team that had been to the three or four playoffs in a row. And uh, so he didn't see it coming, but, you know, it worked out great for Tony. From Since he went to Indianapolis, he he got hot with a great, great team, a great quarterback, and Peyton Manning, and then, you know, they won their Super Bowl there, and he became a Hall of Fame coach. So he's in the ring of honor at both places, uh, in Indianapolis and Tampa, and he, he actually won a Super Bowl. No one knows about it. He a player with Pittsburgh Steelers in 19, I think, 78. Uh, under Chuck Knoll. So he's had an unbelievable career, but we didn't see that one
0: coming. You mentioned some great coaches there, of course, with Chuck Knoll as well. Another great coach that you mentioned is Coach John Gruden. Uh, Gruden's obviously known for his epic rants, turning red in the face, but he might be most well known for his famous offensive play calls and their wild names. Coach Gruden loves the Spider Y2 banana. Talk me through that play call and were there ever any times in the huddle where it would be hard to hold back a laugh when Coach Gruden would make those bizarre calls into the headset?
1: Yeah. The, <laughs> the, the Spider-2 wide banana, it probably became more famous when it became a TV host, hosting all the quarterbacks getting there for the draft. That's where it kind of made it more known at that time. And, uh, Spider-2 banana, it's it's just a base play where I've called it Rambo Right. Um, I've caught a dar right fullback flat. I've caught a fire pass fullback flat. I've caught it now. We've caught it, you know, Spire 2 wide banana. I mean, <laughs> a lot of different ways to get to it. You shift to bring that to west, that short, Spire 2 U banana Z over 3 3 heads up for 350 smoke. So just a lot of different ways to get to the play. But basically, it's a fullback in the flat. there's going to be. You know, somebody on a corner route and somebody on a drag route. It's, but there's a million different ways to run it. The concept's the same. It's just a, it's a secure uh, slide protection. It's a power. Looks like a power run and try to hit a quick hitter out there in the flat.
0: Were you surprised when Coach Gruden made the comeback from the announcing side to the coaching ranks again when he joined the Las Vegas, at the time the Oakland Raiders, but now the Las Vegas Raiders as their head coach?
1: Yeah, no, I, I've been. I knew he was kind of sniffing at it. I knew three or four teams had actually offered him the job. I'm not going to go into those teams, but but you know he turned them down. And then uh, I mean, he just felt like the time was right to go back to to Oakland the Raiders at that time. Now the you know, Las Vegas Raiders. And but he'd had a great stint. He was I think he was great on the TV show with you know bringing back the guys on the draft. I think he was fabulous on Monday Night Football as a as a as the announcer, and, uh, and that way people kind of got to see his personality and all those kind of things. And then, now you know, you just want one more shot to lead, lead a team, lead your coaches, lead your, you know, your city, and hopefully you can get back to, to another Super Bowl.
0: So on the other side of the ball during your time in Tampa, the Bucks were coached by defensive guru Monty Kiffin, led by John Lynch, Warren Sapp, Derek Brooks, Ronde Barber, Simeon Rice, and many others. How helpful was it for you on a weekly basis to get to go and practice against the best defense in the league, arguably?
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, Monty Kip is getting ready to go in the ring of honor, you know, and that's for a reason. Had one of the best defenses consistently over time and you know, coached a lot of great, great players. Another guy that doesn't really get talked about on that team is Sheldon Corals and Greg Spires and Brian Kelly and those guys, but on the defensive side, but Monty was a great leader, great coach, and Obviously, he's going to be the Ring of Honor, but, you know, you face that competition in practice, that's what you want every single day, and that's what we had. You know, honestly, I kind of got used to playing against our defense. To, you know, I knew the looks. I, honestly, I needed different looks from, you know, just the different kinds of blitzes and looks from other teams that we faced because we faced our defense every day. But every day is competitive. Every day you knew you had to wake up ready, and it's going to be a great challenge.
0: So let's rewind here and talk a little bit about your days with the Minnesota Vikings. Back in 1998, the Vikings went 15-1, and and you were dealing with a few injuries throughout that season, splitting time a little bit with Dante Culpepper. But you had a front row seat for Randy Moss's epic rookie season, where he caught 17 touchdowns. Was it obvious early on that Randy was destined for greatness?
1: Yeah, I think we'd all seen Randy away played at Marshall. He's the receiver of the year, Fred Litton McCoff winner award. And you'd heard all these great stories about him and he came in, was extremely competitive. Uh, obviously he's fast. And I remember him telling me he's like I'm never running full speed on the on the deep balls unless it's uh, Deion Sanders, Dale Green, or Dale Carter. I'm gonna set him up and then go as far as you can and I'll go by him. And I was coming off of a neck injury and then I broke my foot that year and then broke my thumb. It was just a tough year for me. But uh, I, I threw his first touchdown pass, change right, speed right, bomb, threw a second one, train right, jet right, 7.48, wash out. And, uh, but he was just competitive, 6'4", uh, fast as he needs to be, and uh, really a smart, smart receiver. And I think it's great, our situation in Minnesota. Denny Green's the head coach, but having, having Chris Carter and Jake Reed as the other receivers and just the accountability that they brought to the table too with him, I think it, you know, is a perfect start for Randy to be a part of a team like that, and then uh, obviously had a Hall of Fame career. It's pretty awesome,
0: for sure. And rest in peace to the great Denny Green, as you mentioned. What was Coach Green like as a coach?
1: Love playing for Denny. He was my first coach. Took a chance on me. Uh, had a great vision for the team, the organization. Went to the playoffs when I was there. Six out of seven years, we didn't, you know, we didn't win the championship, so we didn't get rewarded like that. But but we were winning, and that's what you want. And um, you know, he developed a lot of players and gave times gave players a chance to grow. And, and so, I love playing for Denny. I think he I think of all the coaches I had, I think he had the best schedule as far as training camp and as far as in season preparation. And uh, just yeah, you know, very thankful that I got to play for him.
0: Now, Brad, you were the first player in league history to throw a pass to yourself and bring it in for the reception. Can you kind of talk me through that play? Yeah. I was uh, –
1: we were playing uh, – I think it was 1997. Is that right? 1997? I believe so. And uh, well, we were playing the Carolina Panthers up in the Metrodome up in, in Minneapolis. and uh, The play was dot left sphere, ripped rip Dallas. And basically, it's a, uh, it's a little stick route. By the tight end, a little flat route by the fullback that goes in motion to the flat. We were on the three-yard line. I dropped back, saw the stick route to my left. It got it got batted up. I caught the ball. It was on third down, and I faked a couple guys out and then scored the touchdown. I knew that I couldn't throw. You can't throw two four passes. Usually you, you would bat the ball down, but being at third down, being close to the red zone, you know I knew if I did get tackled, we were still in field goal range. And uh so scored that scored it. Ended up being uh we, we didn't know what it was at first, but it ended up being a touchdown pass, touchdown catch, uh twelve points for fantasy football, won the play of the year that year. <laughs> and uh so it's pretty cool, you know what I mean, to say you're the first to ever done it. And Marcus Mayo, he did it a few years ago in the playoffs against Kansas City. So cool moment that we all had uh been a part of that
0: play. You mentioned earlier that you played and finished your career in Dallas with the Dallas Cowboys. You were the backup quarterback to Tony Romo out of Eastern Illinois, a young, bright kid with a genius mind for the game. So I want to ask what stuck out to you about Romo early on in his career?
1: Extremely talented. Uh, best playmaker that I've played with as far as a quarterback, as far as making plays off different platforms, as far as having to scramble and make a play. Um, smart guy obviously you hear him a little bit on tv sometimes he's he right, sometimes he's wrong <laughs> but he's fun to be around that's what I remember he's contagious has great energy um, tremendous quarterback they didn't get rewarded as far as because you didn't win the Super Bowl that kind of thing but he'll be in the ring of honor and um, one of the best players in the league while I was playing and uh, so it's fun to watch him fun to be with him and just see how he operated and and uh, but he just had always had a a, a childlike, fun energy that it brought to brought it to each and every day.
0: Now you played with many incredible receivers during your time in the league: Terrell Owens in Dallas, Randy Moss, and then of course Keyshawn Johnson, the three most notable. So, who was your favorite weapon to throw to during your time in the league?
1: Favorite weapon was always the guy that was open, you know.
0: Great answer.
1: <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. Was, i didn't have to decipher too much on that so whoever caught it they were my favorite guy but or open but you know i threw tim brown and, and chris carter their hundredth touchdown pass Through randy his first touchdown pass jake reed and then terrell owens jason witten and michael uh, uh i had urban fryer and Keyshawn johnson and keenan mccardell and joe jere and larry centers i mean so i just i played with some great great receivers but You know, I I think Chris Carter had probably the best hands that I ever played with as far as just catching the ball, you know, and and very similar to Keenan McCarter, I had similar hands, and uh, Chris was great at in-zone catches and sideline catches and those kind of things, and and, um, probably Randy Moss was probably the best deep threat maybe ever in the NFL as far as just deep threat, but... Some of those guys are just, you know, they're all great players, from Keyshawn to Joe Vicious, and the list goes on. You know what I mean? So, um, a lot of great guys. Some of them are Pro Bowlers, some of them are Hall of Famers.
0: It was great to see CC finally get into the Hall of Fame. It was long overdue over the last few years. Uh, so, Brad, I do want to shift gears here and talk a little bit about the college game with you to close. So, your son Max is uh, slated to be the starting quarterback at LSU for Coach O this year. What was the experience like seeing your son in the same position you were in uh, back when you were getting recruited by the likes of Florida State?
1: Yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. Max is a, he's going into a second year at LSU. I mean, I pretty much coached him out of the womb. We were working on three- and five-step drops when he's six and seven years old. <laughs> coached him in youth, the middle, and high school. And uh, so it's pretty awesome. Now as a parent, you just sit in the stands while eating popcorn, and, you know, you can't tell them who to throw to or – you know look out for that guy, or whatever it may be. he has excellent coaches and got to play in the you know university, got to play late. He played a few games last year, played well, and then got to start the last two games. They beat Florida at the swamp and then beat old Miss and shoot out. but it's just fun. He's living his own dream. and um, he's a lefty. I don't know how that happens. Like he wears fourteen and but uh, he, he's he's fun to watch and it's gonna be fun to watch his you know his career here for a little while.
0: Final question for you here, Brad. So many of our listeners are diehard Georgia Bulldogs fans, and many people may not know, but you are Mark Rick's brother-in-law. Mark Rick recently announced that he was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. We just kind of wanted to check in and see if you uh, had an update on how Coach Rick's been doing. Yeah,
1: Coach Rick, he coached me at Florida State and hooked me up with his sister after I <laughs> graduated, so it's pretty awesome with Nikki and then, But Coach Rick, he lives uh, – he's – kind of back and forth between Justin and Athens and he works on the ACC network as far as a host and Mark's, he's doing great obviously there's been some changes that have taken place these last couple of years with her heart attack, with her hip surgery now this diagnosis with uh, Parkinson's but he's upbeat got great spirits, he's moving around really well and um, you know, he's very thankful for all the prayers and everyone reaching out to him And but he's a, he's a great spirit so
0: Awesome, man. That's great to hear. And Coach Rick will continue to be in our prayers, and we're happy to hear that he's doing well. So, Brad, we appreciate what you did in the NFL, and we've enjoyed following along with your TikTok as of late. Everyone be sure to give Brad a follow on TikTok at BigBadBrad14, and be sure to follow Brad on Instagram at Brad underscore Johnson underscore 14. Brad, thank you for your time. All the best to you and your family. Yeah, man. I appreciate it, Blake. Thanks for having me on the show, buddy. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Division II Sports. For all Division II sports news, follow us on social media at division underscore two sports.